Hey, thanks so much for being here. This is My City Church, and this is our podcast. We hope you are inspired to love God, love people, and lead in life. Enjoy the message. Well, come on, who's ready for the Word of God this morning? Huh? Are you guys ready to get punched in the face with the Word of God today? Hey, I am ready. I am ready. I feel like God has a word to be able to share with you this morning. So I hope you're ready to receive it. How many of you guys brought your Bibles today? Lift it up in the air. Let me see it. Hey, come on. If your Bible's on your phone, that's okay. Say these words after me. Say, here's my Bible. Say, I love my Bible. Say, speak to me, Bible. And God will speak to you. Open up your Bible to Deuteronomy chapter 20. Deuteronomy chapter 20. We're going to be reading about the people of Israel. And we're going to be reading what God has spoken over the people of Israel before they went and inherited the promised land. We're going to dive into the Word of God this morning. Be sure to read your Bible on a weekly basis, a daily basis. God speaks through the Word of God. Amen. Do you believe that? Some people want to hear what God said, but they don't read what He's already said. They want to hear the voice of God. They don't read what He's already said, right? Got to start somewhere. Start with the Word of God. So Deuteronomy chapter 20, verse 1. This is basically God speaking through Moses to the people. And this is what he says. He says, when you go to war against your enemies and you see horses and chariots, boxing gloves, and an army greater than yours, do not be afraid of them because the Lord your God who brought you out of Egypt will be with you. When you are about to go into battle, the priest shall come forward and address the army. He shall say, hear Israel. Today, you are going into battle against your enemies. Do not be faint-hearted. Say that word, say that after me. Say, do not be faint-hearted. Say this also, or afraid. Do not be faint-hearted or afraid. Do not panic or be terrified by them. For the Lord, your God, is the one who goes with you to fight for you against your enemies to give you Victory. I also want to bring another verse as we dive into the scripture today in Deuteronomy chapter 28. I want to share this with you. The Lord will grant that the enemies who rise up against you will be defeated before you. They will come at you from one direction, but flee from you in seven. Amen. Are you guys excited for the word of God today? Huh? I'm excited to share with you. I want you to turn to your neighbor and tell them the title of this message today. Lean over and tell them, hey, neighbor, I'm down, but I'm not out. Hey, come on, let's pray this morning. God, we thank you for your word. God, is true. It's sharper than a double-edged sword to divide bone and marrow. So right now, Father God, we pray that you would speak to us today. God, help me to preach a thousand messages today. Holy Spirit, you know what people are going through. You know what people are carrying, carrying in here today. And so, God, we pray that you would speak to them today. God, that they would come out being able to fix their eyes on you, not in their present circumstance. And I pray that as your church, we wouldn't be able to look at our enemies and be overwhelmed by them. God, but we'd be able to look to our God who has already defeated them. God, we thank you that you're working all things for the good of those who love you and are called according to your purposes, God. And we praise you and we look forward to the word that you have for us today. So right now, church, open up your hands with me and say these words after me. Say, Lord, 
speak to me. I'm listening. In Jesus' mighty name, amen. Amen. Come on, put your hands together for Jesus this morning. Hey! God's got a word for you today. Basically, give us some context of the scriptures. God is talking to Moses to talk to the people of Israel that they are about to go to war. Feeling some testosterone in me. I'm about to go to war. Didn't hit anyone in there? No? I want to go to war. But he's speaking to them, basically saying that, hey, you guys are about to go to war, but you don't have to be afraid of your enemies. You're about to get in a fight. You're about to get in a fight, but you don't got to be afraid of them. You see the enemies in front of you, and basically he's speaking the promises over Israel, the promises that I have plans for you to keep you, not to harm you. I have plans for you, a, plan, a land flowing with milk and honey, all sorts of promises over Israel. And can, you, can I tell you today that God is speaking promises to you today? God is speaking promises to you today. And some of you may think, well, just because it's Israel means that it's not really applicable to my life because God was speaking to Israel. No, 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 no. The same promises that God spoke to the people of Israel, he's also speaking to you today. We know that in Romans 9, that we are, not, we are inherited into the people of God, not by blood, but by spirit. And so now we take part, we take part in Abraham's blessing. We are part in inheriting the promises that God has spoken over Israel. And God has spoken promises not just over Israel, but over you. Do you believe that today? That God has spoken promises over you. I feel like I'm getting distracted with this, with this mitt on real quick. So I'm just going to lay it right here. That'll be for later. Don't get distracted. That'll be for later. I didn't realize how sweaty it would get. Palms are sweaty. Knees are weak. Arms are heavy. <laughs> Not today. <laughs> hey, God has promises for your life. Do you believe that today? He does. I just want to lay out just a few, just a few promises that God has available for you. He has promises available for you. This is about, I'm only going to do like 12 of like 6,000 promises that are in the Bible. So I'm not going to really be able to do it justice, but I hope if you, if you need to find them, just feel free to take a screenshot. But let's pull up some of those promises that God has. So he has promises to strengthen you. Ephesians 3.14 and Psalm 28. Promises to give you rest. Matthew 11 and Psalm 4.8. So those of you that may be struggling with sleeping here, he promises to give you rest. That's a promise that God gives his people. To sleep. Promise to care for your needs. Philippians 4.19. Promise to work all things out for your good. For the good, not your good. For the good of those who love him or call according to his purpose. Romans 8.28. Promise to protect you. Psalm 91.2. Promise to have freedom from sin. Amen. Thank you, Jesus. 1 John 1.9. Promise to never be separated from God. So if you feel separated, you have a promise to not be separated from God. Romans 8.38. Promise of everlasting life, John 3, 16. Promise to build his church, Matthew 16, 18. Promise of hope in this world, come on. In this world you will have trouble, but take heart, for I have overcome the world. And promise to not live fearful, Psalm 91, 5. But how many know that even though we have the promises of God, like God has spoken these things in the past, and he continues to speak them today. It says in 2 Peter chapter 3, 9, that God is not slow in keeping his promises, as some understand slowness. Instead, he is patient with you, with me, not wanting anyone to perish. So there's another promise. He doesn't want anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. 
In the promises of God, you have got to set in your heart how you approach the promises of God. Not with a, well, let's just see what happens, but in the way that Paul tells us to address them in 2 Corinthians 1.20, he says this, for no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ Jesus. I'm gonna say that again. No matter how many promises God has made, they are yes for those that are in Christ Jesus. They are yes. And so through him, the amen is spoken by us to the glory of God. What is this saying? That God has promises and we are called to speak them into, into fruition. The amen is spoken by us. Amen is just a way of saying, let it be so. Let it be so. There is a partnering that we have to do with God's promises. In Christ, they are yes, but in you are they? In Christ, he says, these are available for you, but are they available in you? Do you believe for the promises that God has given you? Well, I'm always this way. This is just who I'm gonna be. No, it says you are a new creation in Christ Jesus. The old is gone and the new has come. Do you believe the promises that God has spoken over your life? See, understand though that no matter what promise God gives to you today, the reason why we have a tough time comprehending them is one, we question our worth, but also that the devil will always resist the promises of God. The devil will always resist the promises of God. Things that God has spoken of your life. See, the moment that God gives you ground, the moment that God starts to transform something in your life, Nothing that God gives you will not go uncontested by the devil. No promise in heaven that God speaks over you for your family, your marriage, your work, your mental state. No promise that God speaks over you will, will leave uncontested or be given uncontested without the devil's challenge. The devil will come against every single promise of God. See, it's once you start believing the promises of God that the devil comes in to say things like, did God really say Anytime you start praying more, don't be surprised when the devil comes and challenges your life. Anytime you start instituting better family times, don't be surprised when the devil starts coming up with things to distract you because he knows the power of a family structure and how it, it reflects God, the Trinity, the Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, fa Father, wife, and children. He knows how it represents God, so he's gonna come in and challenge it. We can't get this family on track, so we're gonna challenge it, get them distracted. Anytime God has spoken to you about something, the devil will contest it. Anytime you start to discover God's identity over life, man, maybe I'm not really what I did. Maybe I'm not really what I think I am. The devil will come in and he say, if you really are a child of God, then show it to me. If you really are, anytime you start to take ground on what God has spoken over your life, the devil will resist it. So don't be surprised when hard things come. Don't be surprised. Well, I started going to church and you know, all these things started coming up. I started praying more and all these, you know, started having these distractions at night. I just can't get up in time. Don't be surprised when the devil comes in like a roaring lion. See, because anytime there is a movement of God, the, the devil will always come in full force to derail it. Do you understand that today? That when there is a movement of the God, the devil will come in full force to try to derail it. See, the devil's fine with us making a movement about ourselves and making it all about us because he knows that it will fail. And he'll actually kind of encourage it because when it fails, then it discourages other people from believing what God has for them, from following God or serving him and serving his church. But if the movement becomes about Jesus, 
If it becomes about Jesus and what he's spoken over this city, what he's spoken over this church, what he's spoken over your marriage, what he's spoken, and it stops being about you, but it starts being about Jesus, the devil knows that he's just got to figure out a way to distract, to derail. He's got to figure out, because he cannot stop Jesus. So as this church, it's not about me. It's not even about you. It's about Jesus. Do you think we sing songs because someone's up here saying, I got a good voice. This is my American Idol. This is my shot. No, I'm not up here singing without auto-tune because I'm trying to impress people. I ain't got no one to impress. One person I have to impress is Jesus. Can I tell you that he wants to hear your voice? He wants to hear you worship. He wants to hear you praise. There's nothing more powerful than a little kid coming up to dad and just saying these words. Hey, thanks, dad. Thanks, dad. I love you, dad. Nothing much more powerful than that. Man, you feel like a dad. You're like, man, okay, what do you want now? Do you want the Xbox or the PlayStation? That's a tough choice for some kids. No. <laughs> Every time God starts a movement, the devil will always come in to contest it. And don't be surprised when the devil sends out his special forces to distract you or discourage you. See, the devil is contesting a lot right now. Have you been watching the news? It's all over. We don't know. World War III could start tomorrow. It could be starting right now. And it could. It's threats of invasion over Ukraine. Shoot, I feel like we haven't even got over COVID yet, and that's two years deep. People's anxiety is through the roof. I'm seeing all sorts of videos of people ordering food and, and punching people over the cash register. I mean, I never thought that used to happen. But it's happening more and more now. Anxiety, frustration is through the roof. Families are being torn apart. Stress, man, I, I gotta say, these last two years, I would say people's stress levels have gone to a whole nother level. Job transitions, people leaving jobs, people finding new centers of employment, people finding, hey, where, where's God gonna provide? All different types of stress, hardship, difficulties. Shoot, not even mention anything to do with inflation. So if you see how the devil works, the devil works to try to distract you and discourage you. And he tries to get you to bow your knee to fear. Now, how do you handle the punches from the devil? Huh? When the devil gets out his, his boxing glove, how do you handle when the devil comes up and punches you in the face? Do you fold like a deck chair? I did one time. Not when the devil came against me. It was actually Pastor Clyde. Pastor Clyde, you come up on stage real quick. Put that on there. So when we were maybe 19, 20, someone thought it would be a good idea. Hey, let's watch these two guys fight. And you know what? We were different men back then. And I, I was a lot smaller, but you were way smaller than you are right now. Props to the gains, by the way. But someone thought, we both had two minutes one time, and, and someone thought it would be a, an even match for me and him to go at it together. And we both had different gloves. And uh, I went up into this fight, and he gave me a jab. Go ahead, try to just give me a jab in my face. Come on, come on, give me it. Come on. No, <laughs> I don't want you to hit me, <laughs> you know, because I don't know if I can take the punch. I went back and forth, and I tried to say, like, well, if he punched me in the face, would he knock me out? And what happened if he knocked me out? And I, I wanted to go through with it because he's knocked me out before. He did. When we, got in the, when we went into boxing, he knocked me out, and I was out for maybe a second. 
I just went straight to the ground, and I jumped right back up. And I wish you would have seen the fear in my, not the fear, but the, the, the anger in my eye, the frustration in my, <laughs> all right, you can take that off now, it's come down now. But we, got, we did, we, we, went, we had a boxing match, and he knocked me out, because I couldn't take a punch. I knew how to give a punch. Oh, you best believe, I knew how to give a punch. But I didn't know how weak my chin was. And I don't even think it was, I think it was a jab that he got me down with. It was just one of, and I don't even know what happened. I was out, and I got back up. I was like, what happened? And I, I mean, this is a longer story. I'm not going to go into that. But basically, I just went crazy. Just remember, kids. Kids. <laughs> <laughs> crazy beats strong every day. <laughs> But I got a crazy side of me. But I want to go back to, like, I knew how to give a punch, but I didn't know how to take one. What do you do when the, de- how do you handle the devil's punches? Do you let them control you? Do you let the fear of what could happen paralyze you from believing in what God said will happen? Do you let the thoughts and emotions from the world tell you what you are supposed to be worried about? Do you quit at the first sign of resistance? The devil knows that if he can get you to question what God has spoken to you, that he can rob you of the purpose that God has for you. The devil cannot take away your purpose. But what he can do is get you to question, did God really say? Or distract you from what is going on around you that you forget to release the kingdom of God within you. See, I think the world is a hard place. And we can't be surprised on that. A wise man once told me, way back in 1999 about smashing things, something like smashing people in the mouth. He was saying, somebody once told me the world was gonna roll me. I ain't the sharpest tool in the shed. And stop. Somebody once told me, who told you? that you had to succumb to the things of this world. This world's gonna roll all over you. Who told you? Wise man once said, Sylvester Stallone in the movie Rocky Balboa said this, the world ain't all sunshine and rainbows. It's a very mean and nasty place. And I don't care how tough you are, it will beat you to your knees and keep you there permanently if you let it. You, me, or nobody is gonna hit as hard as life. See, with everything going around, your world today, you gotta be careful not to let it get inside of you. Have you already checked CNN before you came to church? What did that do to you? Did you already jump on Instagram or checking out Facebook before you had time to get into his book? It's a joke, guys. (laughs) What did that do to you? Are you aware of what you're doing to yourself and doing to your heart? Because I read a book that once said, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. So I don't need to fear the arrow that flies by day or the pestilence that stalks at night, for he says that it won't come near me. See, how do I respond when the world's coming against me? See, the world will always be living in a state of restlessness. There will always be something for the world to stress about. 
And I have a fear that if we do this, if we continue to open up our worlds to what we're seeing going on around us and letting it get inside us, it'll destroy our faith. And you will live in a perpetual state asking the greatest question I feel like you can ask is, I wonder what's gonna happen next. Because we thought it was over, and now it's the next thing. On to the next thing, on to the next thing. What's gonna happen next? The world will always be in a state of restlessness. But can I tell you that we're called to be different? You are called to be different. We are called to be the salt and the light of the world. We are built different. We are not called to ring the bell of fear and panic, despair and hopelessness. We are called to ring the bell of Jesus Christ. It's called hope for the hurting, comfort to the afflicted, joy to the depressed, peace to the anxious, provision to the needy. Why don't we start ringing that bell? Ding, ding. You see it each and every day. See, the state of the church right now, though, I feel like where we're supposed to be, the state right now of the church worldwide is in retreat. It's taken an identity of passivity and conformity and has lost sight of its mission. See, we're called to bring heaven down to earth, not hide from the world. We're called to be men of prayer and women of prayer. We're called to live on the offensive, not the defensive. The Bible says the gates of hell. It didn't say the plans of hell to take over the world. It says the gates. The gate is a defensive weapon. So we are called to take ground in this earth, not retreat from it. See, we're called to be men and women of faith who see what the world sees, but we see it with a different angle. We see it with the answers of life and calls the hopes of heaven down to earth. See, in the state of Israel, the state of the church reminds me a lot of Israel. Israel was given the promises of the promised land. And there were many times where they started to question what God had spoken over them. And I said, what do you do with the promises that God has spoken over you? And it reminds me of a state of Israel in 2 Samuel chapter 23. See, they were supposed to be victorious people. He said, when you go after the enemy, don't worry, because I will fight for you. I will be with you. But I don't see this happening right here in this first verse. We're telling a story of some of the great mighty men of David. It says this, next to him was Shema, son of, son of Agi, the Herorite. What a sweet name. When the Philistines banded together at a place there, where there was a field of lentils, Israel's troops fled from them. That doesn't sound like the promises of God. To run away from the attacks of the devil. But can I tell you that that is a natural state that we can find ourselves in when we start to question the promises of God. The field represented the promise of God. What was so significant about the lentils? Was Shema a vegetarian? Did he like some lentil soup? I don't think that's the case. I think the lentils represented the land that God said, I have given it to you. And the people were running away from the promise that God had given them and spoken over them and commanded them to contend for. See, they were running away from the promises trying to survive. Are you running away from the promises that God has spoken over you and given you? Does this church tend to run away from the promises that God has spoken over this city? And while they were running away trying to survive, they were losing ground. While they were running away trying to survive, just take care of their own life, they were losing the promises that God has spoken over them. 
And I can imagine what was going on through his head, Shema, while he was running away. See, what if one person saw this world and saw this church and started looking at what was going on in this city and he took a moment to say, I see the direction this world is going. I see the direction of this city and this church and they have the faith not to succumb to what everyone else is doing around them but to rise up, to hold God to his promise that he has declared over the city, over this people, and over this house. See, don't be surprised when the devil sends out his special forces against you and he sends them out against this church. See, God is looking for a people who are full of faith to turn around and be able to stand. He's looking for a people that won't run away. When the devil's coming against you, he's looking for a people that won't run away, but will turn around and stand on the promises that God has spoken. And let me ask you, that might be why your life is so hard. Maybe the promises that God has spoken over you and the things that he's spoken over your life and over your marriage, maybe the reason why it's so hard isn't because God is not with you, but maybe it's so hard because he is so intrinsically and distinctively with you that the devil is trying to come against you with all that he has to distract you and derail you from the purposes that God has for you. Maybe the reason why it's so hard is because the de devil sees so much purpose upon your life that if this person could just grab a hold of the promises that God has for them, there's no power in hell that can stop them. So I gotta get them at this infant stage. I gotta get them at the beginning before it can get strong enough and wise enough to not succumb to my schemes and my plans. Don't be surprised when the devil comes out full force against you. See, maybe his plan for this church, though, God's plan for this church, maybe it's so threatening to the devil that he is trying to pull out all the stops to stop this movement before it even has time to take root and grow and start to develop fruit. God sends his strongest soldiers through the toughest battles. And God sends his strongest people into the darkest cities. The promises that we mentioned above, see, I believe, I believe Shema took a moment to remember the words of God and to align his actions with the promises of God. Because you can remember the promises of God but never align your actions. I wanna read just a few verses. This is gonna go pretty quick. I'm just gonna read a few verses that Shema would have had access to. Deuteronomy 32.30 says, how could one man chase a 1,000 or two put 10,000 to flight unless their rock had sold them, unless the Lord had given them up? So imagine this. He's running, and he's got this verse in his head. We're running. How could one drive 1,000 or 2,000? Wait a second. I remember. I remember what God said. Joshua 23.9. The Lord has driven out before you great and powerful nations, and here I am running away? To this day, no one has been able to withstand you, but I'm running away. One of you routes a thousand because the Lord your God fights for you just as he has promised. Psalms 20 verse 7, and this is what I think was going in his head. Psalm 20 verse 7, because he would have been close to David. He would have been known this. David would have been ringing in his ear left and right. David would have said, some trust in chariots and some in horses, but we trust in the name of the Lord our God. I can imagine the pre-rally, you know. Hey, man, some trust in horses and Trump trust in chariots, but we will trust in the Lord our God. I can imagine him saying this to the people. Those that trust in horses and chariots, they are brought to their knees and fall, but we rise up and stand firm. 
We rise up and stand firm. And I can imagine Shema running with everyone else around him. The whole army's running away. And I can hear it in his head, seeing these words in his mind and thinking, what am I doing? Why am I running from the promises? I'm giving up the promise that God spoke over my family, over my marriage, over my church. And I'm running, trying to survive, but in the meantime, I'm losing ground. And God says that I've spoken this over you and you're running away from my promises. You're running away. And he says, I'm just looking for a person. I think Shema got it in his head. I think it don't matter for everyone else. I'm gonna do something. Doesn't matter what the world, I'm gonna do something. He says it in 2 Samuel 30, 23, he says, but Shema took a stand in the middle of the field, the promise. He defended it and struck the Philistines down. And the Lord brought about a great victory. Not Shema, because it's not about me, it's not about you, it's about Jesus. It says he took his stand. Can I tell you, God wants to partner with his people. He wants to partner with his people. Well, if God wanted to do it, why didn't he do it? Because he's looking to use you. He's looking to use you to stand in the gap and saying, I know what God spoke and I know what God said. I think he's looking for people. It says, but Shema. Can we throw that back up there? But Shema. But Shema took his stand. But Eli took his stand. Reeve took his stand. Michael took his stand. Michaela took her stand. Bethany took her stand. Each and every single person taking their stand. Not contingent, well, I'll stand if they stand. No, 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 no. They'll stand if you stand. They'll stand if you stand. God is looking for a people who will turn around and stand their ground. The power of one person standing in the gap. I believe that this church this year is called to stand. I believe that's the year for this church. That what I see is a bunch of people questioning what's going on in life. I see two years, three years, four years, five years. What am I supposed to do with my life? And it's all about your life. And God is saying, would you just stand in the gap for the promises that I've spoken over this people, over this city, over your family? And quit trying to save yourself and just stand on my promises. I believe we are called to stand for this city, for my family. We're called to stand for your family. You're called to stand for your children for your friends, stand for your church, stand for the city, stand for this nation, stand for this world, stand for the kingdom of God. Ezekiel twenty-two thirty says this, God is speaking to the people, he says, I looked for someone among them who would build up a wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I wouldn't have to destroy it, but I found no one. And I believe this church is gonna say, God, you're gonna find some people here. You're gonna find some people here. Why do we need to stand? Why stand? Why isn't it stand firm? You know, because sometimes you just need to get back up. Because if you've fallen down, just get back up. Because you're not the one that's called to fight the battle. It says, God will fight for you. I just need you to stand. God will fight for you. Exodus 14, 14 says, the Lord will fight for you. You only need to be still. Just get back up. See, David stood when everyone else was hiding. He said, are we gonna let this keep happening? Jonathan routed an army because him and his armor bearer said, perhaps God can. 
perhaps he can. See, Peter stood, and then the chains fell off. Well, when the chains fell off, then I'll stand. No, Peter stood while he was in prison, and it was only after he stood up that the chains fell off. Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they stood, and no one else did. And it got them thrown into a fire. Some people aren't gonna like when you stand. But what I gather from this is that when you stand, and if no one stands with you, even if everyone else flees, you're not standing alone. See, because you're not the first one to stand. Christ is standing with you. Even in the fire, he's standing with you. And it's not you joining, it's not Christ joining you, it's you joining Christ. I see it how Stephen, when Stephen got back up, and he was standing his ground before he got persecuted and killed, he saw Jesus standing at the right hand of the Father. See, God never said this journey was gonna be easy. You will fall. And maybe you fell or feel fallen right now. Get back up. Get back in the game. Get back up. God needs you. These people need you. This city needs you. This world needs you. They don't necessarily need you, they need Jesus in you. See, even Jesus fell down carrying his own cross. But you know what he did? He got back up to complete the mission because he saw the prize set before him. You cannot let fear determine what you're gonna do. Second Timothy 1.7 says, God did not give us a spirit of fear, but of love and power and of self-discipline. So when you find yourself succumbing to fear, question where that word came from. This is how I want you to stand. First, I want you to physically stand to your feet. So this is how I want you to physically, to, to spiritually stand. I need you to stand in prayer. I need you to stand in no compromising. Stay consistent, spirit-filled, reading the word. Stay consistent in church, in your group. Stay consistent in relationships. And this is the most important thing. I need you to stay consistent in your belief and in your faith. That regardless of what you see with your eyes, you stay hopeful. And we give it all we've got in faith, knowing and believing that God's kingdom is gonna come here on earth. I look at it this way. Everyone ever seen uh, um, Avengers Endgame? How many of you guys seen that movie? Huh? I see at the, the last scene, this is how I picture it in my mind. I see Captain America getting beat down by Thanos. I see him thrown aside. Everyone else is defeated. And he pulls up his beaten, broken up sword. And he tightened his strap. He says, I can do this all day. See, it's not about how hard you can hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and get back up. You can punch all day. Devil ain't a fear of a, afraid of a person that can punch. He's afraid of a person that can't be beat. He's afraid of a person that can't be stopped. He's afraid of a person that, yeah, I knock you down, but I get back up again. You may knock me down five times, six, seven, eight, nine, ten. It don't matter. I'm going to get back up again. I'm not going to throw in the towel. 
I wanna go into this. This is that Rocky quote just a little bit further that I mentioned earlier. This is how he finishes out. He says, but it ain't about how hard you hit. It's about how hard you can get hit and keep moving forward. How much you can take and keep moving forward. That's how winning is done. Now, if you know what you're worth, then go out and get what you're worth. But you gotta be willing to take the hits and not pointing fingers saying you ain't where you wanna be because of him, her, or anybody. Cowards do that, and that ain't you. You're better than that. I'm always gonna love you no matter what, no matter what happens. You're my son, and you're my blood. And I can see God speaking those very same words to us today. That isn't the word of God. That's a quote from Rocky Balboa. Just wanna make sure I clarify that. Where's that in the Bible? <laughs> but I can see God saying that to us today. Get back up. I need you to stand. I need you to stand up. God did not get you this far to abandon you now. So why would we abandon him? I know God is so good. Do you believe that today? That God is good and God is moving in this city and he's gonna continue to move in this city. And so right now what I wanna do is I wanna read, uh, I, I wanna read one verse and I wanna go back into uh, a, a praise song just declaring the goodness and the praises of God. And we're gonna go out in a praise party, not going out of what we've seen in the world or even just even to worship, but we're gonna go declaring what God has spoken over us. But I wanna read 2 Corinthians. This is that, one of those verses that we shared earlier. For no matter how many promises God has made, they are yes in Christ. But we are called to say amen and speak those things that God has spoken to us to the glory of God. Now it is God who makes both us and you stand firm in Christ. He anointed us, set his seal of ownership on us, and put his spirit in our hearts as a deposit, guaranteeing what is to come. God is working in this city. God is working in my life and God is working in your life. And I am praying and I am seeing that the best is yet to come at my city church in Omaha, Nebraska. I know that God has called this church to influence this city. God has called this church to reach this city. God has called this church to stand for this city. God has called this church to reach and flip upside down this city for the name of Jesus Christ. So we would need to declare that this morning. Thank you so much for listening today. And we wanna give a special thank you to those that give so generously to My City Church. We wouldn't be able to do this without you. If you would like to give today, please hit the link in the description or go to our website at mycitychurch.cc forward slash give. And if you enjoyed today's podcast, please hit the subscribe button and share it on all of your social media. We love you so much. We'll see you next week. God bless.